0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is monsters and mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Hello, hello, horror family, and welcome to our Halloween episode. This year, we saved up all the fun for one night only, and tonight, our story is called Hell Night. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Did you hear about the party? Bobby asked, draining the beer he had just opened. I shook my head and picked at my shoe, pulling off the edges of the rubber sole. There were always parties. The cigarette in my other hand burned too close to my fingers and I flicked it on the ground without thinking, a reaction to the sharp sting. We always want to throw away the things that hurt us. It hit the dirt outside the pickup truck. I didn't have to worry about fire. Everything was already dead. Dude, Jason, are you even listening? I have to admit, I wasn't. It's Halloween, man. Everyone throws shitty parties on Halloween. The strip of rubber finally tore free and I held it up, stared at it, all blue and weird. Bobby opened another beer, offered me one. I waved my flask at him. Whiskey over beer, unless I'm desperate. I never want to be that desperate. I tipped my head back and let it burn all the way down. That's what I'm trying to tell you this one isn't shitty, this is the real deal. The costumes are legit, the guest list is insane, the location is unreal. That's what everyone says every year, and every year it's the same old bullshit. Couples in funny costumes, pop culture references, and pets dressed as vampires. I am so fucking sick of Pomeranian Draculas, man. It's so fucking tired. Bobby snorted and threw out the can. It landed in a pile on his side of the truck. His side. His truck. Everything was Bobby's. I didn't like to leave anything behind, so I jumped off the tailgate and found the cigarette butt. It was cool now chilled fast by the crisp fall air so I wadded it up in a tissue and shoved it into my jeans pocket no wonder you always stink man, Bobby joked always carrying your trash around I flushed and gritted my teeth he was just pissed I didn't want to hear about a stupid party I relented how do you know about it My mom's boyfriend is into some weird shit, and I heard him telling her about it. Invite only, no crashing. It's the party of the year. Someone shows up and gives you the invite. Nothing digital, you know. They don't post about it on social. And that's it. A one-time ticket to the best party ever. It's even better than gay Halloween. I was interested. I'd heard some stories about his mom's boyfriend. He was into some dark stuff. I wanted to know what kind of party would get his attention. Bobby climbed down from the truck and I shut the tailgate. The metal slam echoed in the empty night. Okay, okay, get us an invite then and I'll go. But, of course, it wasn't that easy. A week later, we were at Bobby's place. His mom was at work and his soon-to-be stepdad lay in the family recliner. Shoes off, phone in hand, gut spilling out over his two tight black jeans. His feet stank up the room. Smelled like something died in there. Bobby looked embarrassed, but it didn't bother me. I'd smelled way worse than that. Tell us about the party, Jim, Bobby said, all eager, like a wiggly dog. He hadn't had many friends before I showed up. Well, he hadn't had any friends. The guy was just weird, but he was harmless. Jim kept playing on his phone. What party? Bobby flushed. The big one. I want to hear about it again. Jim flicked his eyes from Bobby to me and then back down to his phone. It's just an urban legend, kid. Leave it alone. Jim was sober. I had a feeling he'd love to tell all about it if he had a few drinks in him, but Bobby was too impatient. I felt bad for him, so I took a joint from the silver cigarette case in my pocket and held it up for Jim to see. He only hesitated a moment, then he reached out and took it from me. He had an antique Zippo on the table next to him with a skull embossed on it, and he used it to light the joint and take a deep, deep drag. When he was done, his eyes had changed. He didn't even try to pass the joint, just held onto it like it was made of gold. It might as well have been. That shit was expensive. This party better be worth it. Jim leaned back and closed his strange eyes. It was all good. I didn't want Bobby to see them. I love urban legends, I prompted. He took another drag. I heard it from a friend of a friend, so who knows? It sounds cool, but everyone likes to talk big, you know? Stories about summoning the devil, or the killer they saw on Halloween. The brush with death. The glimpse of fame. You know? Some people get off on that shit. He started flicking the Zippo open and closed. Open and closed. It sounded like a knife on a whetstone. Slice. Slice. Supposedly, a bunch of famous people are into the occult, and they throw this huge party on Halloween every year. They pretend to drink blood, draw pentagrams, the usual shit. I looked at the pentagram tattoo on the back of his hand and held back a shudder. I didn't like the occult. Normal people were bad enough. They bring in naked dancers and the best drugs, and it's like no holds barred, you know? I heard some really freaky stuff goes down. How do you get in? Bobby asked, a little too eager. Jim frowned, and I silently urged him to finish the joint. I hoped Bobby didn't annoy him too much. That's the thing. You either get an invite or you don't. Even if someone tells you about it, you won't be able to find it. You have to have the invite. No one knows how you get on the list. I know it sounds cool to you, but there's no way a couple of punks like you are getting into a party like that. And it's probably a good thing. Anything that sounds too good to be true usually is. Bobby didn't care that Jim was trying to warn us off. He kept pestering him, asking him how to get on the list, but Jim was done. Really done. The stuff in that joint was too strong for most people if they weren't used to it. Jim passed out in the chair, and Bobby finally realized he wasn't getting anything else out of him, so we took off. I want to go to that party, man, he said, rubbing his face. He was getting really obsessed with it. I lit a cigarette and passed it to him. Give me one of those joints you gave Jim, he asked, and I shook my head. Not for you, buddy. Those will really mess you up. I lit a cigarette and watched the cars drive by. I had that feeling you get, you know? You're waiting, but not just hanging out. Something was coming. We were waiting for it here out on the street in front of Bobby's place. A car rumbled by, a black Challenger. It slowed as it passed us. The windows were tinted so I couldn't see inside and it smelled like gasoline and something else, something that made my nose burn. It drove past and I felt that sense of anticipation building, building, like when you're really getting going and then it turned a corner and was gone. I still felt like I was sitting at the peak, riding hard, like it wasn't over. And then I heard the rumble, low and floating like a lion coughing, and the oily black car slid to a stop in front of us. The driver's side window rolled down, but I still couldn't see inside. It was too dark, but it was weird. I would swear the car was empty, except the smell that rolled out of it, like bad eggs. It smelled like Jim. A hand, an arm, too thin and covered in black fabric reached out, holding an envelope. Bobby reached for it, but the arm wouldn't give it to him. It was for me. I took it and nodded towards the car and its spectral driver. It didn't care. The car drove off, just straight. It didn't stop for anything. It just kept going, through the intersection, through other cars, through buildings, until we couldn't see it anymore. Open it, Bobby urged me. Oh, right. I looked down at the envelope in my hand black and oily like the car. I slid open the flap and it cut me, a thick cut on my right index finger, and I bled all over the paper. It soaked it right up. A faint red smoke drifted up, metallic and gross. The paper inside was just as weird, too soft, black and sooty, The letters danced like flames. I couldn't tell you what it said. The letters moved around too much, but I knew what it was. I knew what it said in a way that was beyond words, beyond speech. Is that it? Bobby whispered. My fingertips burned from holding the invitation. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. One night only pass to the best party on Halloween. A one night, one time pass into hell. All I could see were flames. Bobby laughed nervously. Me too? His desperation asked. I felt bad for him. Of course, buddy. Says I get to bring a guest and who better than my new best friend? His smile almost broke my heart. It was so pure and so happy in that moment, I didn't want anything to happen to him. Come on, let's go get some costumes. We stayed at my place, drinking and playing stupid video games all night and all day. When the sun started to go down, We changed into our costumes. I was the wolf man. Bobby'd wanted to be a Ghostbuster, but I told him he needed to go as something dangerous, so he was wearing a truly terrible Dracula costume, all polyester and fake blood. I warned him to stay away from any open flames. When the sun was fully down, we stood in my living room, and I held out the invitation and said the word. The paper burst into flames but it didn't turn to ash. It just burned and burned and burned. I dropped it on the floor, and suddenly it was gone. The paper, the flames, and the floor. It was just a black pit. Bobby and I looked at each other, and then we did the only thing there was to do we jumped in. We fell. We fell into darkness and we fell through the earth. We fell for a day, a year, an eon. We fell for a moment and an hour and when we were done falling through time, we fell through space as well for good measure. And when that was all done, we were finally there in hell's great. I don't know how to describe much of what we saw when we first walked in. Among the many horrors and grotesqueries, there were also moments of incandescent beauty. A woman dressed in a cloak and gown in all black and holding a scythe rode in on a pale horse. She was lovely and fascinating, and I felt a pull, something drawing me to her. But Bobby put a hand on my shoulder, shook his head, eyes frantic. The whole party fell quiet when she rode in, and when she slid down from the pale horse, everyone bowed. A man came, took her hand, Not a man, not really, but that is the closest word I have. He claimed her and she tossed back her hair, skin glowing chalky white in the red lights of the party. And they drifted over to the dance floor where the crowd swallowed them and hid them from sight. Many of the other guests were in costume serial killers and monsters. A crazed Bigfoot bumped into me. I flexed my wolfman claws and he backed off. I looked closer. The plastic costume claws, so cheap, had turned into sharp, shining metal. I showed them to Bobby and he looked scared. This place was freaking him out real bad. His costume still looked the same, cheap and fake. I felt my teeth getting longer. Someone held out a glass of wine, and I drank without thinking, spit it out, the metallic taste heavy and gross on my tongue. I sniffed it. It was blood. I looked around and found a fountain of what looked like wine, but wasn't. A blood fountain. Everywhere I looked, I saw teeth and blood. Killers and their victims. Bobby ran off to dance with a woman who smelled like madness, and I kept wandering around the party, looking to see what I would see. I found tables full of drugs Everything you could think of to smoke or snort or swallow No needles though, which struck me as strange I snorted some coke and kept moving, faster now Couples and groups writhed on couches Up against walls, wherever And no one cared No one cared I saw a crazed Charles Manson. His costume was great, all cheap prison tattoos and wild hair, and he'd mastered Manson's manic insanity. Ted Bundy walked by, eyeing some of the younger women, and a woman with an axe walked past. The mix of people here interested me, So many were dressed as murderers, down to the faded looking tattoos and scars and clothes. And others were like Bobby, wide eyed, wearing cheap costumes, looking like prey. Just like prey. I had never been much for parties. With as much as this one had been hyped, I'd been hoping I'd get into it more, but really, it was just another party. Maybe it had better stage dressing, fancier guests, better drugs, but it was just a bunch of people looking to feel good and mostly just killing time. And these people were weirder than most. A guy with horns and bright red skin ran by, Carrying a screaming woman It didn't look like body paint Not at all A skinny guy in a button-up shirt and glasses stood at the bar, checking out a young man He reached out and touched the kid's skin so softly Like he really wanted to feel how soft he was And then he brought his fingers to his face and sniffed them This was too fucking weird. I needed to find Bobby. But when I looked for him, I couldn't find him. He wasn't on the dance floor. He wasn't by the drugs or the tables of food. Those were the only three places I could think of. I ran around and around the great hall, looking for him, trying to ignore the screams until I almost ran into the woman who had ridden in on the pale horse. Jason, she whispered, and held up a hand. It was very thin, almost skeletal, and a chill radiated from her skin. I'm looking for my friend, I told her. I could feel her looking into my eyes, but I couldn't really see her face. The hood didn't hide it, it was more that it carried a shadow of its own, like she didn't want anyone to see what she really looked like. There was a pause, a beat, one minute, and then another, until finally she spoke again. I am concerned, Jason, I think the terms of this party may not have been made clear to you. She took my hand in hers. It felt worse than it looked, cold and hard, like I was holding bones. They felt brittle in my fingers. She walked me a little bit away from the heart of the party. It was quieter here. He throws it for me every year, she said, looking around the room. She must mean the man I saw her with earlier. I hadn't seen him again. Do you know who I am? I shook my head, but it was a lie. I suspected. She didn't press the point. She didn't need to. This is a killer's party, Jason. You were invited because you are a killer. All the guests are killers. Dead or alive, you see? I looked over at Charles Manson and she nodded. Yes, that's really him. They're all here, like I said. Dead or alive. The living get a pass to come down here one night in hell. The dead get a break from their torment for one night a year. And the price of admission is an innocent soul. The party moved around us. I felt like I'd been punched in the gut. Bobby was here because of me. If it weren't for me, he'd be safe back at home, thinking about the party that was probably just a legend. Instead, we were here, in hell, and I was pretty sure we weren't going to make it back home. I don't think I should be here, I said. I want to get my friend and leave. She dropped my hand and looked around. You know why you're here, Jason. You know what you did, even if your friend doesn't. The foster parents, the bully when you were younger, even poor Jim. She sighed, and I thought I heard the gasping of damned souls. Well... Your friend is that way. If you hurry, you just might get to him in time." She pointed past the blood fountain to a dark area with a bunch of couches. I'd passed it a million times already. I thanked her and ran, hoping I could get to Bobby. I had to dodge a bunch of things that looked like they've crawled out of my nightmares, and when I got there I was panting, out of breath. Bobby sat on one of the couches laughing and sitting next to him were Jeffrey Dahmer and Eileen Wornos. I recognized her now, rough looking, crazy. Jeffrey looked at Bobby like he wanted to eat him up. I couldn't believe Bobby hadn't noticed. They were all predators. The other couches were filled with killers. And Bobby's cheap Dracula costume looked more sad than ever, surrounded by all these predators. We gotta go, I told him, and grabbed his hand. His face looked so surprised, that poor dumb kid. It's time to go, Bobby. This party's dying and we gotta get you back home. Well, maybe not home... I had probably found Jim's body. His Zippo felt hot in my pocket. I really liked that Zippo. Bobby was a good kid. He stood up with me, although you could tell he had no idea what was going on. He waved at his new friends, somewhat sadly. We started to walk away. Where are you two going? She asked. And it was Eileen, standing in our way, arms crossed over her flannel shirt. It was kind of hard to believe she'd seduce so many truckers. She looked like a rough stretch of road, and she twitched every few seconds. Like she was tuned into something that was a totally different frequency from the rest of the world. I could feel the coke in my veins, urging me on. But I tried to stay cool. This one's mine, I told her, and pulled Bobby close to me. Get your own. For a minute, she looked like she was going to fight me. But then she laughed and spun off to find someone else. And I held Bobby by the hand and dragged him back to the door. Behind us, the laughter and music weren't doing such a good job hiding the screams. Bobby kept asking me what was happening. Why did we have to leave so early? And then he asked about the screaming. He stopped asking when we stumbled across two other wolfmen bent over the body of a young man dressed like Waldo, their snouts buried in his stomach, blood running down his body. The poor kid was still screaming while they ate him alive. I thought Bobby was going to throw up then, but the kid was a trooper, but he sure hurried after that. All the serial killers watched us go, Manson, Bundy, Dahmer, Eileen, and a few others that I almost recognized. They just watched us running to the door. Manson caught my eye and shook his head, disappointed. I laughed hysterically. I mean, it can't be a bad thing to disappoint a serial killer, right? To prove you're not like him? And I didn't want to be like him. If I'm a killer, it's because I had a reason. Not always a good one, but I'm not going all helter-skelter on innocent people, if you know what I mean. I only like to kill people who have it coming to them. Death watched us from the other side of the hall, held in the arms of our host. She waved at me as we raced out the doors. She knew she'd be seeing us soon enough. The doors slammed shut behind us. Her horse stood just outside, and behind him lay a vast black wasteland. Beyond the closed doors of the hall, I could hear fists pounding and the screaming just kept getting louder and louder until it was drilling into my head. What the fuck was that? Bobby asked me and he was just holding on by a thread at that point. Party of the year. And I laughed and laughed until I thought I was going to break down and start crying. Should we go back for the others? Bobby's voice was shaking. He hoped I would say no. If we go back in there, we're not leaving again, I told him. And then I got on the horse and pulled him up behind me. Take us somewhere better, I whispered to the horse. And it did. Well, listeners, that is the end of our story. But this week I have a question for you. And I want you to think really hard. Were Jason and Bobby still alive when they left the party? Welcome to Hell Night.